This podcast has four prime directives. One, serve the public good beer. Two, protect the innocent from bad movies. Three, uphold the legacy of Man of Steel. And four, never oppose having another beer. Tonight, we're drinking an old Detroit with 1993's RoboCop 3. Drunk or sober, you're coming with us. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the 196th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the internet's only bad movie and good beer podcast, sponsored by Omni Consumer Products, OCP. We practically are the military. Hide Chumpzilla will be hosting tonight for the first installment in our Hops and Franchise Killer Flop series, where we'll be reviewing franchise entries that dumped toxic waste on their IP and then drove a 6,000 SUX right through them. Joining me on this episode is the palest member of the Rehab Goon Squad, the Thunderous Wizard. Your move, creep. And we've also got a founding member of the Splatterpunk gang, none other than Bling Blake himself. Catch your hair, scum. What's it like being a rocket scientist? <laughs> hey, easy there, donut jerk. Anyway, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find us just about anywhere you can download the finest podcasts. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at Wobam ENT on Twitter and Instagram for all your Delta City and pop culture content needs. And gentlemen, that does bring us to beer. So for RoboCop 3, I have selected a beer solely based on its bitchin' can art, which features a melting skull. I've got Six Point Brewing's Screamsicle Hazy Double IPA. Uh, these guys are out of the Brooklyn, Philly area. Sort of. And uh, this beer definitely delivers on its name. It is a double IPA with a strong orange and vanilla flavor and a very hoppy aftertaste. As advertised, it tastes like a dreamsicle IPA float. It pours a hazy oranges amber with minimal head, and it does check in with a Captain Cash approved 8% ABV. I'm going to give Screamsicle a one bad movie rating. Um, it's just too funky for me to have more than a couple before moving on to something else. I mean, it almost falls into the realm of one of those like pastry or dessert kind of IPAs. It's definitely uh, heavy on those orange and cream flavors there. So anyway, one bad movie. Cheers. Yeah. For me, dessert flavors and beer go together like PG-13 and RoboCop. Ooh. Doesn't work. Poorly. I will say I, I do typically like those uh, six-point beers. Uh, the, the Their resin is one of my favorites. We used to get a lot of their good distribution when I was in Baltimore, D.C. area. So I'm, I'm a six-point fan. I'll have to try to get my hands on that one. Yeah, it's a seasonal. Um, I think it kind of comes out in fall to winter. So this one's a little bit past its prime. It's best by date was in March of this year, but it still tastes all right. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, like you said, uh, T-dubs, if you got a sensitive tum-tum or a not-so-refined palate like myself, it's probably wasted on me. But eh, it's all right. It's something different, and the can art is pretty cool. But anyway, 
Let's talk about the director, writers, and cast of RoboCop 3. RoboCop 3 was directed by Fred Decker, who also co-wrote the screenplay with the always classy Frank Miller. Decker was coming off directing the cult classic The Monster Squad, and Miller had worked on RoboCop 2. Strangely enough, and to the movie's detriment, Ryan Pictures had asked Decker and Miller to keep the movie PG-13 in hopes of finding a broader audience after the R-rated second entry in the franchise disappointed at the box office, as you alluded to T-dubs. Uh, and the cast features several returning from the first two movies, but the title character was recast due to a scheduling conflict. And, and you know, there was a rumor Ooh. at the time, right? There was a rumor at the time that uh, uh, <clears throat> that uh, Weller didn't want to be involved in the project. And that is not true. He was interested in coming back for the third movie, but they couldn't make it work because he was filming Naked Launch. Yeah, well, I bet you after he saw it, he was pretty thankful he was filming yeah. Naked Lunch. Yeah, which, no, which none of us, I've never even heard of <laughs> yeah. that, and it's still betting it's a better yeah. movie than with, this. Whatever that may be about, I presume lunch uh, and it's, nudity. It's but... a William Burroughs book thing. Yeah, anyway, moving I, on. I would have enjoyed that 90 minutes better than than this. So like we said, Peter Weller was replaced with Robert John Thinner Burke, and the returning cast members from the previous films include Nancy Allen, Robert Doe Felton Perry, Mario Macchiato as the newscaster. And the rest of the cast is a solid collection of, oh, hey, it's that guy character actors. We have Rip Torn, Bradley Eric Whitford, Jill Hennessy, CCH Pounder, Daniel Von Bargen, Rip Buddy, Stephen Root, Stanley Anderson, and the aforementioned donut jerk slash sex pest, Jeff Garland. Oh, yeah. And the hacker kid, Nico, was played by veteran TV actress, Remy Ryan. So, uh, I mean, yeah. those are big names for character actors. But if you see their faces, you're definitely like, oh, that guy. Well, Steven Root is like still doing really good work on like multiple Barry. HBO shows. C.J. Pounder, who we all love, and she was in End of Days. Uh, and, and Eric Whitford or Bradley Eric Whitford, he's, you know, he's been a lot of good stuff, like the West Wing, and obviously he was a Get Out, but yeah. I, I mean, wait, he's a, he's the shining star of, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on it now, uh, The uh, the Handmaid's Tale. I, I love that guy. Uh, mm -hmm. He's great in that show. Yep, and sadly not great in this. So the tale of the tape here, the production of RoboCop 3, uh, was greenlit immediately after the release of RoboCop 2 in 1990. With a planned release uh, in 92, the production and the release were delayed due to Orion's, the studio's, looming bankruptcy. So while filming was completed in 1991, the film was not released until the fall of 93. And the studio was leery to invest too much movie in this project after RoboCop 2 earned just $45.7 million on a budget of $30 million. But... RoboCop's 3's budget was still almost double that of the original film, so, you know, they put some money into it. And the move to that PG-13 rating was done in the hopes of appealing to a younger audience, and this marks a shift from the 80s strategy of shamelessly marketing R-rated properties to children. Um, this might be the only thing the lawless-ass 90s got wrong. Like, I, I don't understand why. This movie had clearly done great with the kids in its two R-rated versions. I don't understand why they thought a PG-13 rating was going to help anything. Yeah, people watch RoboCop to see him shoot dudes in the dick, not to do the robot and ninja fight poorly. 
Dude, yeah. if you if you did the robot like RoboCop does in this movie, i.e. awkwardly holding your arms at 90 degree angles with your hands twisted oddly, like you would get kicked out of that discotheque immediately. You're yeah. not doing the robot. You, that, that is that is like what a what a I don't even know what what Robert John Burke's impression of a robot is. That that's what it is. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's He's- so bad. He's kind of a robot if the robot had T-Rex arms. Or like... Or like, poorly fitting suit that he's trying or, not to shake or, off of himself. Or a suit that's about to fall off at any given moment. Did you guys ever see The the, the Last Starfighter? Uh, you guys remember that yes. movie? It's, it's I love movie. that movie. I yeah, me it too. Blu-ray. It's a great movie. But you know like how, how the main character gets replaced by like a weird cyborg that doesn't know how to act like a human? Yes. That's what I feel like is going on. Like, I understand that, like, a robot pretending to be a robot is a weird thing. But, like, it, it's like if if somebody didn't know how to be a robot and said pretend to be a robot, but you're not a professional actor, that's what this guy did. Except he is a professional actor. It's just, yeah. it's so awkward. And this doesn't come up, but apparently one of the reasons he got the role, aside from having the physique to fit in the suit, which was important because they didn't have the money to make new suits, so they had to be able to fit whoever it was in the Peter Weller suits. <laughs> the exact but, dimensions as Peter Weller is why he was cast. Part of it. But the other thing was he apparently had some mind training, which I don't see it. I'm not sure it pays off. It's almost like he was trying to do something different. And you feel like the director, you know, Decker should have pulled him to the side and said, hey, hey buddy. Here's the first two movies. Watch these and just just move like that. Don't don't freestyle it. You know, just just do the thing. But you know, I think it's kind of funny because you make fun of the way he acts in this movie and the fact that they try to market it towards kids too, or try to make it more kid friendly. They almost like go out of their way to satirize that in the second movie. And uh, this will come up later, but I feel like we already kind of did the like the joke of the the kid friendly RoboCop and. Him being like the dare spokesman and it, how hokey that really is because he's a murder machine. And I just feel like they completely ignored that aspect of the second film and any of the like dark social satire from the first two films. But anyway, we'll um, get there the plot. Yes, because yeah, yeah. this movie kind of takes the whole conceit of RoboCop and the commentary that Verhoeven was weaving into that movie and just like, nope. Yep. Just takes a huge shit on it. And, and I, I, I sort of want to blame, uh, blame Frank Miller, that is, but I, I'm not even sure it's totally his fault. But whatever. The movie was poorly received by critics and fans alike. It's widely viewed as the weakest entry in the franchise at the time of its release and today. And the consensus of fans and critics alike was that toning down the franchise's signature violence and dark satire was a huge step in the wrong direction. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 6%, with a user score slightly higher at 15% which is not shocking. There's very little in this movie that comes close to matching the quality of the previous two films. RoboCop 3 was produced on a budget of $22 million, but it only pulled in $47 million worldwide, which means it was slightly more successful than RoboCop 2, but it still earned $7 million less than the R-rated original, so that's not great. Um, it was released in the fall of 93 with that PG-13 rating, and it has a runtime of a Pleasantly quick, 104 minutes, and you can stream it for free on Pluto TV and, of course, Tubi. All hail Tubi. Tubi money. Yeah. Give us. Have we written them a letter yet? We got somebody should actually ask them for money at this point. You know, I believe Captain Cash is in charge of our social outreach, so he should probably be sending them, you know, some sort of solicitation. But anyway, they're just pictures of himself in Daredevil costumes. That's not getting us anywhere. 
it's you know it's it's a start yeah all that's going to get us is a cease and desist (laughs) (laughs) you write infringement letters So let's uh, let's get on to the one-liners, gentlemen. Why don't you kick us off, T Dubs? What is your one-liner for RoboCop Three? Oh, geez, uh, it, this is like I I don't know RoboCop Three colon he's the good guy on the run now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's pretty much the Incredible Hulk from the TV show. Oh, I wish you would have gotten like the slow walking away music this, at the end. That yeah. would have been worth it. <laughs> Uh, I believe that is called the Lonely Man theme, and yes, that would have that would have actually fit. <laughs> or RoboCop three colon. How many times can you spot the costume falling off? Maybe that's terrible. why he was holding his arms that way. Like if he held his arms down, the, the sleeves would fall off. I, so know, he had to hold them at a weird ninety degree angle and walking a dipshit. That's a distinct possibility, Mike. <laughs> Please serious. forget that our titular character was a automated killing machine. He's friendly now. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Again, that's a plot point in the second movie that they spoof. But anyway, all right, uh, give us your one-liner, Dr. Bling. Robo Dud is as loyal as a puppy and as welcome as a wet fart. Yeah, no, that's quite appropriate. Movie sucks. Yeah, it's bad. I and mean, I remember thinking it was bad as a kid, too, but not this bad. Wow. Um, so here's my one-liner. RoboCop 3 pits our hero against the same threats to old Detroit he faced in the first movie. Gangs, gentrification, and corporate landlords. But this time with watered-down Nazis and ninjas. I'm not sure how watered-down the Nazis are. Um, Wait, is he he in Detroit or Florida? It's Atlanta. (laughs) I'm just saying, because DeSantis is sort of like a little trollish Nazi. He's a a watered-down Nazi. No, man. In this one, RoboCop is definitely patrolling Marjorie Taylor Greene's district. She's she's one of the splatter punks. (laughs) So yeah, she's she's got splatter on her, all right. Oh man. Uh, So here's what IMDb gives us: RoboCop saves the day once more. Period. Oh boy, we get more than one sentence. This time, the half-man, half-robot takes on ruthless developers who want to evict some people on their land. Uh, okay, yeah. I like I mean, the quotes on there. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's part of the movie, I guess. But again, it sort of seems like it makes it sound like the first movie again. Uh, yeah. I mean, there is, is from, uh, from a very basic plot standpoint. There is like a little bit more to it but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense nor does the existence of uh the weird gestapo that operates out of the police station but not with the police i don't know this movie made my head hurt yeah the whole thing with the police force being privatized makes less sense when they literally just hire a paramilitary group it's like yeah they're 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 just mercenaries yeah it's coming off of a south american conflict and they show up and SS garb and stormtrooper outfits. It's something. Okay. So let's get into the plot because we're pretty much covering it right now. Um, And here's probably my biggest gripe with the movie. Uh, Just from being a RoboCop fan from that standpoint, this movie seemingly picks up right where the first movie left off, which is weird because there's a whole second film that it ignores. But whatever, because we're again introduced to OCP trying to clear out the undesirables from old Detroit to make room for their shining city on the hill, Delta City, just like the first movie. OCP somehow acquired the city via bankruptcy 
So how any of that works, by the way. I mean, Detroit did, did go bankrupt, so it's kind of like, whoa, okay, but, you know, whatever. And so as a result, OCP has also hired a private army in snappy uniforms, fresh off action in the South American conflict, to aid the Detroit Police Department evicting people from their condemned homes in the Cadillac Heights neighborhood. We also learn a generic Japanese company has recently purchased a controlling interest in OCP for reasons that are never sufficiently explained, not that it matters. And there's also a street gang called the Splatterpunks, again, for reasons. Anyway, RoboCop witnesses the horrors of OCP's rehab stormtroopers' raids and sides with the ragtab group of rebels resisting OCP and their rehab goons. Oh, and, and by the way, one of the rebels is a plucky kid who just happens to be a tech whiz because I'm going to guess somebody in the writer's room had just watched Aliens again. Look, if I had to be honest with you, the only thing that kept me watching this movie after the first, I don't know, 15 minutes was trying to figure out, and I, this makes me sound insensitive, so apologies, listener, for what I'm about to say, but... I didn't know if the kid was supposed to be a long-haired tech wizard boy or a girl that wore weirdly buttoned-up cholo-style shirts. And I just I stuck around for that. I stuck around for somebody to say a pronoun around this child so I could figure out if it was supposed to be a boy or a girl. Well, I think you get that early on when she's introduced with her parents. What's, I think, but I also what's her name? Nico. Nico. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's it's completely gender neutral. I think they call her by her name. It's like, Nico, it's time for bed. But nobody's like, get to bed, girl. Like, and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. I, I don't know what's happening. So and not that it matters at all, but it, it was just, I don't know. It was weird. Right off the bat, I immediately hate this movie. And I'll tell you why. Um, everything involves characters just standing around in imminent danger. They just stand there. So I forget what that machine that? is that machine is called from the you know from the first movie that eventually Robocop replaces because it kills the dude at the board meeting. Ed 209. But they're just standing in the line of fire as the kid like crawls under it and goes, Haha, obey like a puppy. And that works yeah. for reasons. And then when it's Robocop a, gets, you know, the Molotov cocktail thrown on him, he's just standing there. Shoot the he just he just takes it. Like, why would you just I mean, I, I know that you're apparently fireproof but like yeah take cover what's wrong well, with you people? fun fact the reason that maltop cocktail scene was written into the movie was to give some sort of like excuse to have robocop's face look different when he was unmasked because obviously they changed the actors uh he was supposed to be disfigured in that attack and, and have to have some reconstructive surgery to explain the difference in appearance yeah, it, yeah, but they the, just scrapped the, uh... that and ignored it the Just facial differences really would have made a made a huge impact on the film. Yeah, like honestly, as a kid, I I didn't know it was a different actor when I saw this as a child. No clue. That I was, thought that was Peter Weller. It was that was that was not where my uh, faith in this movie broke down. That is for yeah, sure. Not at all. Not at all. It, especially with the helmet on, could not tell that dude's lips from anybody else's lips. It was Robocop, as far as I could tell. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. But yeah, so they were going to do that, but they didn't do it. And I think there's two problems there, T-dubs. I agree. There's a lot of the movie. The action's not good in this movie in general. And you can tell that maybe Decker wasn't a strong action director. But also, it is just painfully slow. Like, it's not even like, oh, he could have done a little bit better. It's like, no, there's the action scenes throughout this movie are painful. They're not good. Yeah, And it's weird because this movie 
costs just as much as the original and somehow looks like it, they made it for five hundred, you know, thousand dollars or something. He just has none products. of the director chops of Verhoeven. Where if you watch the first RoboCop, it's very clear. Yes, it's difficult for him to move, but they filmed the action in such a way that works. And even in the second movie, it was that was done by the uh, Return of the Jedi guy, right? Yes, it was. I can't think Kirshner, of his name. Irving Kirshner. And it's not a great movie, you know, and it, but it, it at least it feels like a RoboCop movie. Better than this. Yeah. Although I would argue that the kid is a much weaker plot point in the second movie than this one. But but yeah, obviously they just wanted to have a plucky kid friend uh, in, in, in this. And, you know, that's their answer to Newt. But anyway, uh, RoboCop and Lewis defend the rebels in a clash with the rehab troops at a church. And our hero is severely damaged and Lewis is tragically killed in the conflict. The rebels managed to drag RoboCop's carcass to their underground hideout. Fun fact, they could barely lift him in the first movie. And in this movie, like two people just drag him into the sewers. No problems. But whatever. Don't, don't not question that, it. He's, he's not that heavy. It's fine. He's not, not that 900 pounds of metal. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so they get to their underground hideout to regroup. There they discover his batteries are dead or something. I don't know. And luckily for them, though, they stole a robo-compatible jetpack during an earlier raid that just happens to also double as a battery recharger. Convenient! Hey, I mean, they at least used the foreshadowing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, whatever you say, technique uh, appropriately there. No, 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 no. They, they show us Chekhov's gun, and then they, they actually fire it twice. And yeah. that's how you get toys made yep that's a hundred percent why that jetpack exists yep. because the jetpack scene is fucking painful oh Ooh. boy we're gonna Ooh, get there yeah and you're gonna get there in the meantime robocop is declared a criminal and ocp's japanese owners deploy their robot ninja to ensure the gentrification of old detroit stays on schedule one of the rebels is a spy and sells out his pals. This allows the rehab troops to raid the rebel base and kill most of them, including the spy. Robocop returns to the now empty rebel base and faces off against the robot ninja in one of the most painfully slow fight scenes I have ever seen. It's bad. It is but, one of the bad scenes I'm talking about when the action is here. Yeah, it's the only The only bit of practical effect work I even like in this movie is when the robot kills those first dudes and they sort of hit him with the, the metal beam or tank or yeah. whatever the hell it is and, it and his face dislocates his, his jaw dislocates his jaw yeah that was pretty that was cool except for like the fact that like his eyes didn't move like he clearly it, it was just yeah. so it was it, it was cool but his face got dislocated and he put it back but also that was my first indication that like our special effects are going to be uh Pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Not to mention, it appears they just made a mold of any Japanese person. Didn't have to look like the actual actor because it doesn't. No. Dude, he, no. Looked, he looked like Tanaka from uh, Major League. <laughs> yeah, they did not bother with the likeness uh, of the actual actor at all. Uh, but I do remember that being cool as a kid, though. Uh, even though, yes, now viewing it as an adult, that's clearly like sci-fi TV movie levels of sci-fi but or uh, special effects budget being spent there. But yes, I mean, it was cool. But the fight scene is so slow. It's like they're fighting, you know, it, it, like, ex- like it was like a walkthrough. Like we're watching the walkthrough. Okay, now, now do it fast. Explain to me how RoboCop is at all efficient at doing anything when if you just circle around him, he cannot do... He cannot follow you. Yeah. 
he would yeah, be I mean, powerless to stop you if you just ran circles around him. He's not a good fighter in this movie at all. Like he, you could that that's what I learned from this movie is like Robocop is not a formidable opponent no, in Robocop no. 3 at all. It's not for not for the ninjas. It was pretty rad when he got his fingers cut off in, in this fight though. And he but, gave us and he gave us a cool quip when he did that, right? Like yeah, I mean you're under arrest for assaulting a police officer. That's destruction of government property. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. But yeah, I mean it was funny, but like also it was also a cheap effect too, because his hand just looked like a plastic mold. There was like no wires, no sparks, no oil squirting it's, out. It's just like yeah, no. Didn't have the but, budget for that. No, that was definitely not in the budget. Uh, I mean, I liked yeah. his attachment, his arm attachment, but again. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. what other versions of RoboCop can we create toys out of? Yeah. We'll have and, the and one with really the arms ex- that change. They don't really explain that either. It just shows up like, oh, he has. He walks and he's got a flame. He's got a flamethrower. Yeah. yeah. Now now he's got a cannon arm. That's dope. I will admit the flamethrower effect was pretty good. And of course, being you know the 90s, it was 100% practical. It was they strapped a flamethrower oh, yeah. on the suit. They yeah, just lit fire. some people on fire. That's oh, it. yeah. <laughs> No, that was a can of a can of rain and a fucking big lighter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, meanwhile, the hacker kid jacks into OCP's mainframe and plays a video from a sympathetic OCP scientist exposing all of the company's crimes. The broadcast tanks OCP's stock price and forces them to take immediate action to quickly clear out old Detroit before their new owners come in for their heads. The rehab leaders try to recruit the DPD to help aid their offensive, but the cops refuse to comply and turn in their badges in mass. Not to be discouraged, though, the rehab leader recruits the Splatterpunk gang to be his foot soldiers in the final raid to evict everyone from the Cadillac Heights neighborhood. Robocop uses his flight pack to recharge his batteries and fly to the site of the final battle, which appears to be confined to a single city block, and he's there to provide air support for the good cops and rebels. Uh, and after defeating the rehab goons with several dog shit flying VFX shots, Robocop returns to the familiar OCP boardroom to face off against twin robot ninjas that I guess we didn't know were there before. Like, I guess I got to ask that now because I don't mention it later. Like, was that supposed to be a big reveal that there was one and now there's two? Like, I, I just I didn't get it even watching it now. That was the big the movies out of ideas scene. <laughs> So, yeah, like, you know, they were already scraping the bottom of the barrel when they named the big baddie Mick Daggett. Like, that's odd. Like, like they were just they phoned this whole thing in from the writer's room to the editor's room. And yeah. Oh, oh, add another ninja twin. Like It's so it's dumb. I it's just felt very understand. much like a video game logic. Like you fight the boss once. Now you have to fight two of the boss. Like it's Frank a Miller. level wrote one of the great comic books where Batman is a bit of a fascist and it's very like going over the lines of the law but, and and this movie seems to be written by I mean it, it felt like a Minaham Golem production from start to finish <laughs> I was like wait was this made by those guys no no it still says Orion huh what's going on out can films. yeah I, it's I, like it's terrible <laughs> And, you know, Frank Miller is hit or miss for me in general. And I think maybe part of the problem is, like, he wrote Batman as a fascist, but he probably thought Batman was still doing the right thing. 
Uh, I mean, yeah. he he did give us three hundred. I mean, he did direct and, the spirit. That's his big like. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we're wrong about that guy. It, well, and it's funny because his experience on the RoboCop movies is why he did, he basically wanted to direct his next project. But his writing can be hit or miss. I mean, he's done some good stuff, but uh, yeah, but whatever he was trying to do in this movie, none of it works. And yeah, it does feel like at the end, it's like, well, I guess we. Have them fight two ninjas because we didn't even. What else can that, we do? You know, like we, we've talked about how Shane Black and, and Fred Decker are good friends, mm-hmm. writing partners. They worked on Monster Squad together and some other stuff. Shane Black is in this movie, yes, quite prominently. I mean, he's yeah, around for multiple scenes. Contributes nothing to the writing. Did they not like float this? Not like, on this put this on his desk and say, "Hey, can you take a quick peek? Well, <laughs> can you can you help us here?" And, and what little bit of research I did, uh, you know, basically Decker admits that he probably should have brought in someone else to help with this movie. He doesn't mention Shane Black by name, but he says, like, you know, maybe maybe Frank and I should have brought somebody else in. Like the phenomenal writer that's in your movie. Here, here's my here's my theory is that they actually asked Shane to do it. And he was like, if you don't set it at Christmas, I give you nothing. Yeah. That actually would have worked. I think. I mean, I think honestly, would that's that a huge bit, missed opportunity. Yeah. Would Would if this movie be any less sense if if it was? I mean, then it would just be Jingle All the Way, right? With the well, Turbo yeah, Man, I, Turbo Man I'm sorry, but, they have. I'm Snow sorry. would have been prettier, at least. If you have a shootout scene in this movie where RoboCop is disguised as Santa Claus, it is 110 percent better. That's true. That's better than uh, Captain Cash's uh, Doctor Doom Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. costume. Sit on my lap, dirtbag. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Make some naughtiest jokes. I mean, I'm there for it. I think that'd be great. You know, he pulls out his arm cannon out of the the bag of toys and smokes some dudes. Come on, that's. Do we not have cool, a question Jerry. later about about what what would have made this movie better, or oh, oh, <laughs> we just, it, we're doing that now? I think we're doing it now. But anyway, so he, he so we we do fight the doing robot ninjas, and then the rehab leader. And again, this final fight is miserably clunky and it nonsensically steals from a memorable scene in the middle of the first movie. You cannot steal a, a mid, mid-movie mid scene from a previous sequel for your climax. That's just, no, that's yeah. unforgivable. Anybody that's... that saw the first movie was like, well, you're just doing that the thing again. There was like a, a comic, dark comic bit from the middle of the first movie. Yeah, it's the definition of weak sauce. With, like, and like, it's not and without Kirkwood Smith there. It's just not fun. Honestly, God, this movie Kirkwood is in desperate need of good assholes. You know, was his name Ronnie Decker? He's like sort of the the oh yeah, asshole the... corporate guy. You've got George Clooney's cousin, whose name is escaping me, but you know he was a good actor. In, in the uh, first the one, scumbags in that first movie. Yeah, are great. and Kurtwood Smith, of course, is fantastic. But this is like two of the most memorable scenes in the movie. The scene where he goes to the drug guy's operation and dips his fingers in his wine, and then when the and the guy, all the guns get pulled out, he's like, "Guns, guns, guns!" And then the scene we're talking about where he grenades the dude, you know, bitches leave. Like when I first saw that '70s show, and I'm like, the dude from Clarence Bodinger, the dude from RoboCop, I'm like. I almost couldn't watch it. I'm like, I'm, I'm not buying that guy as a father. Ronnie Cox was the old man. The, the old, oh, not the old man. Not the old was man. the older yeah. bad guy. Yeah. Miguel Ferrer, George Clooney's cousin, was the guy that oh. built RoboCop. 
You know, Miguel Ferrer is fantastic. Like you fucked up. Now I'm going to build this thing. That's my idea. He's the head of what it's, what is that? Security concepts. Yeah. That's his group. Security concepts. They build rebel cap. Anyway, yes, this movie is devoid of charming assholes. A lot of great character actors. Just not a lot of got a not a lot of the, the fun '80s bad guy asshole types. But anyway, well, that's sorry to interrupt you again. Uh, but but that's what Bradley Whitford was supposed to be, right? Correct. He yes. just he just and I I I love Bradley Whitford. I really really do. But he, he hand fists this so hard, and I, I think we talked about this uh, over the course of last week. But like. This is obviously his prototype, and you said it in the intro for for Eric and Billy Madison. And I don't think anybody does snark better than Bradley Whitford. Like I yeah. don't think anybody in Hollywood does snark better than him. And here it was just it was it was so much that it was fake bad guy, right? Like, yeah, it was wasted because he, he's not consequential to the plot. Most of his snark is directed at the uh, scientist. Yeah, he's just mean like, to that that lady genius, right? Like it's not and nice. The, and the movie's trying to tell us to like her, but like even her character's not developed enough to actually have a reason for us to care, other than it's clear they want us to care because she's the pretty nice lady named Dr. Lazarus for crying out loud. Uh anyway, so just to finish this plot up, the movie ends because it has like a double climax effectively, with Robocop cleaning up the streets of Cadillac Heights. When the Japanese CEO of OCP pulls up in a limo to fire Rip Torn, dissolve OCP, and relinquish the bombed-out remains of old Detroit back to the people. The end. Yeah, why doesn't he get his comeuppance? Mako, by the way, who I love. Uh, He's also sort of a bad guy. He just is like, all right, screw it. I'll I'll just go Uh, do this somewhere else. Some other... Yeah, there's... There's no punishment for the Japanese overlords. Whitford at least had the decency to blow his brains out off screen. Yep. Oh that my was, god, that yeah, was pretty. That was pretty metal. I forgot, I forgot about, about the that. suicide joke. I was like, yeah, it was like, weird, right? Like he like he like holds the gun out, and looks at it, and then goes like, you know, that, that was that was a bit much. So at least Rip Torn should have done the same thing, like do a little ritualistic seppuku in the middle of the street there or something. Well, and I think honestly in an R-rated RoboCop movie that we had come to expect, there's no way RoboCop lets that guy off the hook at the end. Like, he he would have smoked Rip Torn as soon as he was fired, which, again, that would have been stealing from the first movie. Like, oh, he's no longer an employee, so I can shoot him, because he does have his four prime directives again in this movie, I think, or something. I, I forget. They get, sort they get rid of. Do they delete the third mm-hmm. one again? Like, yeah, get, one gets it. One does get overridden in the middle yeah, of the movie. Which is like, this, again, it's exactly like the first movie. Yeah, uh, but so there's no reason he doesn't shoot Rip Torn right there, and he probably should have shot the Japanese guy too, and just taken him out. You know, for being because basically they're the same thing. They're all this just as bad as the rehab guys. The they're Japanese executive was building an army of samurai murder robots. Yeah, much that, better that act like unilaterally. They don't have any jurisdiction. Yeah. He very clearly should end that operation. It was a weird, like, generic Japanese culture thing. Like, oh, they have respect for each other. I'm like, what? Oh, it's... Like, it's, it's the 90s. It's Frank Miller. Let's not think too hard about it. But I do have to say it now because it does not come up later. This movie gives us two suicide jokes. Yeah, that's have... too, too, too many. 
you have the executive that kills himself off screen and you have the other guy that has something go wrong at work and jumps out the window and splats on the pavement in front oh of the, yeah i forgot about that one it's right like, like, it's not that bad like lots of executives have bad days as he's jumping out the window yeah yeah, yeah that does happen I'm like, I, we just in a, in a movie that's supposed to be lighter in tone for the kids, those seemed like two very unnecessarily dark jokes that had nothing to the movie. Nope, not a thing. But anyway, uh, let's give this dumpster fire our beer ratings. For me, it is five pain beers. You have to finish one during the flyover scene and then pound another during that final ninja duel. Uh, the relatively short runtime is the only thing that saves this turd from a six beer rating. Do you guys agree? Uh, yeah, this movie is short, but it feels long because it's so unentertaining throughout. Yep. So this is five pain beers. I won't give it the full six, although I very easily could. This is this is a travesty. I don't know why this was made. I don't know why they keep mining out this property after this, because the first thing that got recommended to me by Tubi when I completed this dumpster fire was the TV show. Which, oh, dude, uh, yep, you got, be you got hosed because mine auto played Last Action Hero and it was yeah. dope. Well, apparently, Tubi hates me because yeah, of all Captain Cash's Daredevil pictures. Wait, is is Michael Ferrer in uh, Last Action Hero? Isn't he in Last Action Hero? No, but uh, are you sure? You would be sure. Our boy is uh, <laughs> who's now a creeper, but uh, what's his what's his name? The old guy from. Uh, Mythic Quest. Oh Frank yeah, F, F, F. Murray. F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, he's John Practice. Oh. How do you get yeah. to Carnegie Hall? Practice, you son of a bitch. Uh, we should talk about that movie again because that movie's great. This movie That's sucks. Take, take, take it easy. Take it easy. Just to be fair, though, the TV show is a Canadian production, so that yeah. recycles the exact opening of the first film and just with different news anchors, but it uses the same stock footage of the city. Yeah, because I, I, I let it run for a second. Yeah. Ew, ew. Anyway, all right. What about you, Bling Blake? Uh, I'm right there with you guys. I I wanted to give it six, but I I pulled back. Uh, it's it's five. Uh, it's all pain. This movie blows. I literally couldn't pay attention to the whole thing. Like Tubi kept playing the commercials, and the courses would come on, and I'd start dicking around <laughs> on my phone, and then the movie would start again, and I would just keep dicking around on my phone because yeah. doom scrolling Instagram was far more interesting than what this was putting out. Uh, it is brutal. It's bad. It's it's not worse than Rollerball. Like I want to go on the record right now. I'm not nominating it for shit movie, but like this movie sucks. It's not good at all. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it does feel longer than it is. It drags. And honestly, the dual climax at the end is painful. It's like, no, just end. Just end it. Like, I don't need any more closure. Like, I couldn't care less. Just, I'm fine with it ending right here. That's so it. it. Like, like yeah. I just didn't care about the denouement, right? Like, I'm like, okay. what, what the F ever? Yeah. I don't care. Well, okay, we've covered the plot and our beer ratings. So let's take a break here and hear a message from our cyborg ninja brother from another mother over at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey everyone, it's the J-Man and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. 
every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at The Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at WabamEntertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We're still talking about RoboCop 3, and I do have a few questions for the panel. And I think this will probably be one of the more entertaining ones here. When did this movie lose you? I'll start with you, T-Dubs. Well, so it could be any number of things. It could be the the puppy thing with, with the machine. But I will say when Murphy turns around to go help out his friend, the, the police, uh, his former partner, and he like basically ramps off the highway and lands and then like shoots out his the, the hood of his car, <laughs> the roof of his car. It's like... Why not just open the door? Like, what is this? Why did that? Why did he do that? Like, that's like you've you've wasted half of your ammo. <laughs> it destroys the car in multiple ways. For what reason? And now, and and now yeah. you're stuck in a position where, like, if somebody starts shooting at you, you have nowhere to go. Like, uh, yeah. I, other than they might have thought it would look cool, but it absolutely does not look cool. It, so. it looks so stupid. It's so dumb. What? That's the worst way to exit a car. I, I can only imagine that there's a scenario where he had been like crashed or boxed in and that became the only way to get out of the vehicle. And then it like almost makes sense. Sure. Yeah. No, the way it happens here, it's just completely absent of any context that would make it like, you know, anything but like nonsense, cool for the sake of cool. Like, Hey, you know, we're trying to make something kids are going to like, so we're going to shoot some stuff up. Yeah. It's, that's pretty bad. Dude, even if you even if you have robot ears, if you fire that many rounds in a car, presumably, like like first of all, how does somebody seated in a car shoot a complete circle around their head? Even if you are a robot, you can't do not, that. Not that kind of movie. Not it's that, not kind, that of kind of movie. movie. You're right. Movie. You're right. But, I'm shut up. But for me, I actually like the opening of this movie. Again, and it's still to me, it still grabs me a little bit. The kid getting introduced, the newscasters, like the, the the scene in the diner. I'm like, okay, okay, this isn't as as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, it's I'm rolling with it. I don't. My expectations are pretty low, and this is this is doing all right. And then we get to that bullet catch, and when RoboCop catches the bullet between his fingers, the guy can barely move, and it only gets worse as the movie goes on. It's like. That is just so ridiculous. But he can catch a bullet. Well, it was it was a long range shot. Like he his robot ears, even though they should have been deaf from shooting his gun off 49 times in the car, shouldn't have been able to hear it. But he obviously was able to perceive it. He can't bend his fucking knees or elbows, but he can catch a bullet. And it's just like, and at no point in like my like head cannon of Robocop. As a kid, even did I expect him to have that kind of Superman superpower? Like, no, what he that's not what he does, he's not that kind of hero. But then he I walks, he walks like somebody who's trying to wish to be made a real boy, yeah, and yet he catches a bullet in his hands. Okay, if he would have palmed which, it, I think it, it would have been dope. 
but or, the, or just or just deflected it, like just deflected yeah. it off the back of his hand. But the fact so just, forty <laughs> minutes later, he gets his fingers cut off. I know, I know. And, and the thing is, sword. I can forgive the movie for that. I can forgive the movie for that, even because much like the shooting out of the roof, it's like okay, well, whatever, you know. And it's, it's a stupid movie, but then that Molotov cocktail scene, just it's shot in slow motion. It it just it's just like terrible. And not to mention that the, the uh, sound design for that scene is horrendous. Whatever kind of like, uh, what, what do they call it? ADR looping they were doing for the splatter punks. It's like, it's clearly not those guys' voice. It's clearly being like pushed through some sort of synthesizer to like change the pitch or whatever. And it's just like, oh, it's that kind of movie. Wow. Was, like there's no, there was no like uh, coming back from that for me. At that point on, I'm like, well, this is just trash. I think I was more upset by that dude's clear plastic raincoat than anything else. Uh, Very very Blade Runner-esque, but like not a good way. uh, For me, it it was when the the squatters, rebels, whatever you want to call them, had to break into the armory. Uh, So it's the, you know, the the, the loyal Mm. as a puppy thing. It it, it was just terrible. And the, the CGI obviously was bad. But for me... So at this point in the movie, I'm actually kind of excited, right? I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, like Steven Root is here. I like him. Oh my God, Daniel Vine Bargain's here. Like, I like him. Did I say his name right? The yeah. the, the 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 chief from Super Troopers, right? Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, I, I, I like these guys. He's an Ohio he, guy. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, don't don't I, don't look into it though. It has a sad end. My Very my pitch sad ending. Very sad ending. My pitch is gonna just keep getting higher. Um so I was like, oh, my God, here are these two actors that I love sharding a scene. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sharing a scene. Paging Dr. Freud. Page. Like, so you hear these guys sharing a scene together and it should have been good. But like the writing's bad. They act terribly. The CGI, it's just all terrible. Yeah. And I was like. Oh, this is gonna be rough because this was my first time watching Robocop 3. I never I didn't even watch it as a kid. Oh no, really? No. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. It wasn't it wasn't so my thing. Uh like I definitely watched one and two as a kid, and then yeah, I was like, eh, whatever. And I I don't maybe I did, but I don't remember watching this as a kid at all. Yeah. Uh and I was just like, this this is gonna be really bad. Like well, like most children of the 80s, I saw Robocop way too early. For sure, same. Um, and and it didn't sink in at all. Much like another uh, Verhoeven movie we've done on the pod, much like Starship Troopers, I just thought the first one was a cool action movie. And it wasn't until I saw it again as a teenager, I'm like, oh. And I got some more of the subversive humor and, the and, and uh, you know, some more of the, the social satire stuff. Not to mention, there's a lot of jokes and stuff in that movie that don't make sense to a kid at first. You know, but... Uh, yeah, no, I definitely was excited to see this when it came out. I remember seeing the TV spots of him flying, and back in the you know the day of uh, CRT, uh, you know, televisions, uh, you know, it, it didn't look as bad. But definitely watching this in HD on like a sixty-five inch TV, all of the special effects this movie look horrible. Dude, it's so bad. It doesn't hold up. At, and which, which you know, I realize it's a little bit more ambitious, but that really is shocking when you consider that it was made for significantly more than the first movie that somehow looks so much worse. <laughs> like, wow. 
So I'm going to start with you for this question, Blaine, since you were a first time viewer. Did any part of the movie work for you? Like well, other than Steven Root? Yeah, I mean, and, and I think you kind of said this, right? I'm, th that the opening is pretty okay, right? Like you have the, the scene in the apartment, you have the setup at the diner, which is kind of funny. We get Jeff Garland doing a funny line and then set up for that, that cool chase scene. And the chase scene is actually pretty decent, right? Yeah. Up until up until Robo shows up and does his weird turret creation. Yeah. It, it, but I mean, that's really about it. Like literally when RoboCop shows up and starts doing RoboCop shit is when this movie starts to suck. Yeah. No, and, I, so like, I, which is weird to say, like, okay, RoboCop 3, what's the thing you like the most about this movie? I liked it until RoboCop made an appearance. I, yeah, and I, I can't emphasize it enough. That diner scene is pretty funny. Like, it's it's pretty good. 100%. Not, I, I love yeah, that it's, scene. It's, it's huge. I'm not sure there's something there, like a through line that could have carried the rest of the movie or there's an angle that that would have helped. But, like, for a moment there, it's like, oh, well, this seems like a worthy successor to the previous films. And, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's it. I mean, that's it. Even the chase scene afterwards, it's okay. But if you're a RoboCop fan, it feels a lot like the first movie again. And you get a little nervous, like, wait a minute, we're just doing this again? Yeah, there's there's a lot of, like, retreading, well-worn ground in this one. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, it, it is to uh, T-Dub's point earlier. I mean, at this point, what do you do with RoboCop? You know, he's, he's already kind of like, there's not a lot to do with that character. He's a cop. Make him fly, motherfucker. And make it make yeah, make him fly. You gotta sell some toys. That's about it. What about you, T dubs? Anything that sticks no. out to you that worked? Yeah. No, no. no, nothing worked. Nope. In this movie. Everything's <laughs> everything's been done better in the other movies. This movie yeah. well, is useless. It should not exist. So, I mean, yeah, so here's my follow-up question. I mean, like, I just want to say it again. I just cannot believe how bad this movie looks, considering it's the third time. Usually they get better with the effects and they get better with the suits by the third one. This one just goes backwards in every direction, it's, right? I mean, it's it's weird because like eighties, sometimes eighties, nineties sequel, particularly in like middling franchises like this. I'd say this is a middling franchise, and two is a lot worse than one. It was clear like they didn't have anything left to do with this character, or anything interesting to do with it. So to make a movie was strictly to make money. You yeah. can tell like this this movie, the script is terrible. So why, like, there's zero chance. That after Terminator 2, they'd be like, well, we need a new one. We need a new one. Just get it out there. Do whatever you can. And this would be a script they'd do for it. Like, now say what you want about Terminator 3, right? Like, this was yeah, the law they, of diminishing returns. Like, they had a director yeah. with a vision who made a movie that was, it, it had something to say. It was a social commentary. And they took that and they kind of ran with it. But then they lost that thread completely. And by this movie, it, there's not even a remnant of it. He's just, he's RoboCop. And he's cool, yeah. and you're supposed to buy the toys. And guess what? There's going to be a TV show. And, and don't forget, he's got accessories now. And video games. Yeah. yeah, but I will say this. You call this a middling franchise, right? But you've got four big sci-fi action franchises that effectively developed through the 80s and into the 90s. You've got Alien, Terminator, Predator, and RoboCop. Those are the four big ones. And none of them really did anything after the second movie. 
Like the second movies were well, mixed across yeah. the board, with Terminator Two being clearly the best of the bunch. And that was another thing by like, Aliens. It, Predator this, Two is, is mixed at best, right? And then Robocop Two yeah. is, is but in mostly this mixed. Time and space in the in the movie world, trilogies weren't necessarily a thing. Yeah, you had Star Wars, but like the rule of thumb was generally like, oh, sequels are never as good. Yep. It's, yeah, hundred percent. It was like you, you you knew what you were getting into. And and none of those movies per se had a solid sequel tease at the end of them, right? No, that wasn't a thing either. So yeah, well, you didn't know it until after the box office returns if you were going to get the sequel or not. So yeah, movies ended, and then you found out if you're going to get one later. And, and I suppose I'm shortchanging Rocky and Rambo a little bit here, but those guys were never quite the sci-fi angles, right? Those were just straight action movies. That's a different thing. Yeah, it's not like it's not not like sequels were unheard of, but, but again, I think in uh, Rambo, for these... Rambo two, worse, way worse. Rambo three, much, 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 much worse than Rambo. Yeah, but First but Blood. Rambo. So like, it's that, that's Rambo's it. funny because yeah, Rambo a... two really launched what Rambo became. Right, like, right. Like, the first like, movie is actually a good movie. It's a great movie, and it's phenomenally acted by both Stallone and Brian Dennehy. Yep. But, but nothing of the subsequent six films. Yeah, I mean, five more a, we got. It's actually a like counter it, right? study on a veteran suffering from PTSD. Yeah, and, uh, and a fascist uh, local sheriff. It's 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 actually. It, yeah, here, listeners, if you haven't watched First Blood, because let's remember, it wasn't Rambo. No, the movie's it was titles First Blood. First Blood. It became and, Rambo after the fact as a marketing thing. And First Blood Part Two, which really was the first Rambo film I ever even saw. Uh, I was like, which oh I, man, like this just shows. I was, I, I don't, I don't think I knew until I was in my twenties why it was called First Blood Part Two. I thought that was Rambo One because that's what Rambo became, right? And but but this one it's it's just so disappointing in terms of like where the franchise started and where it could have gone to to where it ended up right like it, yeah. I don't know it's just such a bummer. Well, I, I think it uh, I think it had a good idea on the surface that they wanted RoboCop to face off against the corporate overlords again. And stand up for the people, but this time to fight it in the streets, not just fight it in the boardroom, which we had seen in the first film. But he was going to take the fight to the streets here with a, a jetpack and a and a hand cannon thing. And like the movie just doesn't give you that. I think they just would have stuck with a simpler formula and spoon fed us some action that way. It, it would have been okay. Now, did they have the budget or the technical know how to pull that off convincingly? Probably not, based on what we've seen. But they also tried to do way too much in this movie. If it had just been the Nazis move in and RoboCop has to fight the Nazis in the street. That would have worked. But they they go way, they get way too complicated with the, the Japanese takeover angle because there's a whole like 80s, 90s corporate raiders thing going on there that they don't flesh out. And it just, yeah, I, I mean, like to, to to save this movie, I think they had to keep it simpler and just stick to you know, RoboCop being good at shooting stuff because him fighting ninjas, not great. So that really does lead me to my next question. What was more disappointing? All the unsatisfying callbacks to the original movie or the spectacularly bad special effects in the second half of the film? 
yeah for me it's it's the special effects all day right like and kind of going back to your last question and coming into this one as well but like you know it's it's 93 they added the flying so i'm not going to say that i'm i'm shocked that the special effects were so bad but like good gravy like they were so bad on all fronts and i did not rewatch the original this week so it's probably been I don't know, five, six, seven years since I watched Robocop one, which I love that movie. Um, it's d- damn near perfect. It's so good. But a lot of the callbacks kind of, kind of fell flat on me because they, they wasn't so fresh in my memory. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure the last time I watched Robocop was probably like scrolling cable TV on a Sunday afternoon and it was on FX or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, man, like the, the callbacks were obviously weak. But I'm also the kind of dork that appreciates that stuff more than I probably should. That's fair. Um, but the the special effects, they it just it. I won't say it ruined the movie for me because the movie was ruined well before the special effects sucked. But like the special effects, are effing terrible. It's it, like there's just no. And we watched Alien Three, where the alien looks, the xenomorph looks awful, right? You remember how terrible that thing was in Alien Three, like. So I'm, I was kind of coming it into it. It looks about the same time. as the flying shots in this. The, the composite yeah. work in this, it, it's it's bad. It's, I, it's, I, it's I give it to the alien in Alien 3, frankly. Like, this was just, it was bad. Yeah. The whole it, thing was bad. They both look gross. What about you, T-Dubs? The callbacks or the bad special effects? That's I'm going to take a different path. It's the action. The action scenes are abysmal. Yeah, well, it's, I, I'd, I'd lump that in with the special effects. It's Yeah, it's, it's the, the wire work is terrible. Yes, like there's, there yeah. are visible wires in this movie. Visible wires, yeah. Very uh, 1960s Toho, except you can yeah. appreciate what those movies were doing and you can't appreciate anything that this one's doing. So I think what's most shocking about the wire work and the action in this movie is that the Decker, the director, wanted to do something more in the Hong Kong vein of action scenes, but they didn't have the money to get a Hong Kong crew to do it. So instead of doing something else, they just said, ah, fuck it. We'll just have him fight ninja dummies. Like the scene where the two dueling ninjas in the end cut each other's heads off. It's it's the dumbest thing I have ever seen. It, it, it's, it's just not good. It's not I, I can't good. believe it's in a real movie. I remember watching it as a kid. That was disappointing. I, even as a child, I was like, oh, well, that's bad. Like, I could forgive horrible composite shots of Robocop flying over the people. Because it, like, if you, on a bad, you know, cathode ray, you know, uh, tube television, it looked okay. Like, ah, and it's grainy enough, it sort of blends in. But anytime those ninjas were fighting, it was terrible. And how slow he moves with that jetpack at the end, too, when he scoots across the floor. And I believe that's where the wires are the that's most visible. Where the wires are the most visible. I remember that from when I was a kid. And I was so mad. Like, yeah. are you, you can literally see me? them. <laughs> they didn't even bother trying to speed up the footage. They just let him like drag across the floor. You know, like it, it's so bad. <laughs> It's so, it's just, uh, and that's like, when they they drop the friggin' theme for like the thirty eighth time in this movie because this movie is yeah. so devoid of like any artistic like thought whatsoever. They just use the theme over rehash it and over 
and over again. Dun, 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 dun. Like, the, is the score just that on loop? That's, that, that's the whole thing. That's Can't all they got. Hey, I'm just glad they didn't give us some really like stereotypical kind of racist Japanese theme for the ninjas. How, uh, how they did how they didn't do that i don't know no. i'm shocked somebody, somebody was dying to do something terrible there but I, you know honestly i don't think we've talked about it and it should be talked about more even when he fires off his afterburners and burns the head nazi's legs that effect is terrible like give us some charred flesh give us Dude, yeah he's just like ow and falls over that's the, best, the just, best we get <laughs> He might as well stick a couple of like matches in his like shoe soles and like hot footed him. Like, oh, I gotcha. <laughs> like at, oh, at least uh, Clarence kneecapped uh, Bob. Yes. Uh, no, no, it was was Ronnie Cox Bob. What was what was Miguel Ferreira's character's name? Was he Bob? One of them was Bob. Yeah, matter. I don't. Yeah. Uh, bitches leave. No, but I mean honestly though, for me, all the bad special effects aside, it's the callbacks. It's so lazy. It is so lazy. Just like you said with the soundtrack. This movie just cribs from the first, which, again, I can't emphasize this enough. It just ignores the second movie like it never happened. It just it just picks up right where the first one ended. Like, hey, OCP is still trying to do stuff. Like, there's a whole second movie. Like, we're not going to address anything that happened in that movie? Nah, nope. we're good. Nope. No, we're just going to go back I, to where the first one ended, back to the boardroom. I guess their thinking was that because the second movie didn't do as well as they'd hoped, they would just focus on making a more kid-friendly version of the first one. But, which, but, actually, when you put it that way, that kind of makes sense. That's sort of what the movie ends up being. Here's here's another fun one. If you just had to keep one of the subplots, would it be the Japanese takeover and ninjas or... The rehab goons working with OCP. Japanese takeover. At least it's different. The other They're, one is just what the first movie was, the increased militarization of the police. Yeah. Which, but again, that's, I think that's... not saying anything new. It's still an interesting concept for RoboCop because he's basically the, uh, the culmination of that. <laughs> like, he is... The pinnacle of the militarization of, of police, they've created a murder bot that will do whatever they tell it to do. And, he, you know, he's trying to fight against that. That is still an interesting concept. How you keep rehashing that, I don't know. But, okay, so so you're, you're going to go with the Japanese takeover. Yeah, so but he's not going. a part of that group. So, like, their well, existence makes no sense. No, but, I mean, they could, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, they could Because even if, if Murphy was acting up, you would just take him offline and you'd make a new one. Yeah, the technology or, is there. Or why aren't they? they why aren't they manning Ed two hundred nines? Yeah, because they're functional. Yeah. So this is just a stupid movie. Just put yeah. a pilot in them. Well, so hold on, I'm gonna come come back to that, uh, Doctor Blake. But what about you? Would you stick with the uh, the ninja Japanese takeover angle, or stick with the uh, watered down uh, Starship Trooper Nazis? So I'm gonna kind of give you a, a two for here, and and one is say that. I think you keep the Nazis. I think you keep McDaggett and his goons. Um, because while it didn't make a ton of sense, I thought it made more sense than the forced Japanese takeover thing, which I think are really only there to make a, a thinly veiled reference to how 90s Japanese tech was so much better than American, right? Like, 
their RoboCop yes. looked like a, a person and mm-hmm. was better in every way possible, right? So, so in this sense, like make it, and it takes place in Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. So that means Robo is a muscle car, and Ninja Bot is a Japanese sports car. Yep. Now don't get me wrong, like, like my mom had a sick ass Nissan 300 ZX with T tops and everything back in 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm kind of partial to the Japanese sports car, but hey, man. Dom Toretto is uh, all about family in Detroit and American muscle wins it again. So mm-hmm. I, I guess that's, that's great, but okay. I, I don't know why it's there. Here's the no, idea. I, Get on board. Yeah, with yeah, RoboCop accompanies a high ranking executive through, you know, CCP to Japan for business deal. He's put on assignment because they know RoboCop, right? He's on he fly. Does he fly business class? What happens? He takes on the fucking Yakuza with robot assassins. Boom. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd watch that movie all day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. You you put him someplace new, right? Robocop Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I'm in. That's fine. And and here's here's uh I I agree. I would stick with the with with that angle as well. With the with the Japanese takeover. It's it introduces a new element to the to the story. You get away from that strictly gentrification angle that just for whatever reason the japanese are there and they become a problem whether you do it in detroit or do it in tokyo doesn't matter but here's the thing if you do go the other direction and let's say you just stuck with the rehab guys and hey they brought in a new paramilitary group they end up with their own robocop now i know we've already done that we've already done ed 209 we've already done robocop 2 there's a robocop 2 and robocop 2 but they have like basically a mirror match he has to fight against basically the same type of RoboCop, but this one's in the Nazi outfit. And they end up having some sort of confrontation. That could have worked as well, because again, great opportunity to sell lots of toys. You give them a, a natural enemy to fight against, a very clear language for kids, if that's the angle. And you know, as dumb as that sounds, at least it's something different. And like, I guess the final question I have, which is an obvious answer, but I'll handcuff you with this caveat. Do you think an R rating would have helped this specific script? Do you think just pumping up the violence would have helped this at all? Or is it just nonsense nope. through and through? Maybe it's more watchable, at least for like a fun, s- stupid perspective. Like, oh, this is terrible, but that guy's head's going to explode. Yeah. But, yeah. No, the script is just so bad. It, yeah. It's it just, it just messy. They really want us to care about the human characters in this, but I think... Uh, as you've commented on uh, some of the Godzilla movies, T Dubs, I don't really care about the humans. Like, it's, it's, I just want to see yeah. the robot dudes fight. I mean, when they kill his ex partner, just like, and then you're supposed to care about the other people, it's like, nope. Yeah. Well, and I glossed over it, but when she dies, she does give him, like, get him for me, Murphy. <sighs> Which is supposed to be his, like, emotional motivation, but. It's the one. It's the one part of the movie that, like, is supposed to tug on what's left of Murphy's, you know, humanity, right? Like, yeah. which, which, which these movies all kind of hinge on, right? Like, he's a RoboCop, but like, there's a little bit of Murphy left in him in every single movie, and that's what yeah. makes that's what motivates him. Yeah, he's you. supposed to reconcile with his wife at some point, but that yeah. got. That gotten worked out of several different scripts. She yeah, got she off doesn't easy. want to 
because she only had to be in this thing for 20 minutes. I had to watch she... the whole damn thing. All right, listener. Uh, according to T-Dubs, we need to freshen up our screen signals ahead of the competitive portion of the pod. So we'll see you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. It is finally time for the Loyal as a Puppy Trivia Challenge. Tonight, gentlemen, we have the standard format. Five questions, multiple choice, and tonight you'll be playing for the screen-used Shattered Robo Ninja Head Prop from the movie's climax. Tonight's chime-ins are, I'll buy that for a dollar, I hope you're insured, or any of the pod standards. Good luck, gentlemen. T-dubs, I'm going to fuck you up like a Percocet. Your move, creep. Okay, question number one. The RoboCop 3 video games were famously released a year before the movie. What type of vehicle did the game developers begin to work on before learning the film featured a jetpack? Was it A, a hovercraft, B, a motorcycle, C, tank tread legs, or D, a helicopter? I hope you have insurance. Oh, that is bling bling. I'm going with a helicopter. D, helicopter. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. That sounds Bullshit. pretty cool, though. It does sound uh, cool. I thought it would work well in a side-scrolling game. I mean, still, you know, yeah, it still flies, right? So, yeah. Hooded tails, cocktails, uh, tank tread legs. No, that's giant number five, man. You're totally wrong. That's also pretty rad, but no, that is incorrect. Motorbike. Motorbike wins. Motorbike. Apparently... In the uh, production notes or whatever, it was referred to as the gyrocycle, which ended up being the jetpack. So that's zero points, gentlemen. But I do have a bonus question. So either one of you feel free to chime in. Do you know the name of the arm gun featured in this movie? I'm going to shoot. Creep. Oh, okay. Okay. Bling, bling. The hand cannon. That sounds reasonable and it's close but it's 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 incorrect i'm sorry t-dubs would you like to venture a guess the detachable penis (laughs) detachable (laughs) penis that's i mean that's a bit of a stretch um but honestly she said yeah not that far off honestly it was simply the gun arm gun arm gun arm yeah so stupid for the record i went from the uh... robocop wiki I went with tank as, tread legs because of the old Nintendo game Base Wars, where there was a robot who had tank tread legs. Oh, it was, oh, so it was, I was baseball played by Justice. robots, and it was like it was Mutant uh, League before Mutant League. You could like fight if you got bases. into yeah. a rundown and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just thinking short circuit all the way with tank tread legs. Let's not bring Fisher Stevens and Brownface into this. Nope. Okay, so we're tied up at zeros as we head into question number two. Remy Ryan, who played the little girl Nico, has appeared in several TV shows in her career. Which of these is not one of them? Is it A, ER, B, Beauty and the Beast, C, The X-Files, or D, Northern Exposure? Ponytails, cocktails. Blaine Blake. X-Files. 
That is correct. See, yes. the X-Files. She was not in the X-Files. I knew I saw her in uh, Northern Exposure. I knew it. Love that show. I'm impressed. I once drank at the... So there's a there's a tap. Sorry, it was a quick aside. Uh, and by quick, I mean it'll take a long time because it's me. But there's a bar, there's a town in Western Washington called Roslyn, Washington, where they filmed all the exterior shots for Northern Exposure. And I used to drive through it on my way to Seattle from North Idaho. And I drank at the Brick Bar, which is featured prominently uh, in that television show. And it was the first place I ever saw a bar that had a spittoon trough below the footrail at the bar. It was this metal trough that had water running through it. And you could, if you were chewing tobacco, you could spit into it and it would get washed away. Uh, and the bartender was mortified when I asked her if I was allowed to pee in it, uh, which in, in case you're wondering, you, you were not. But it, it seems like a chance, reasonable question though. I, I was like, it looked an awful yeah. lot like a urinal. A urinal. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been to the Metrodome, you know, that, that they got those. A, that would have been a urinal, yeah, in the Metrodome. Uh, so yeah, a listener, highly recommend if you're ever traveling uh, on the uh, east side of the mountains in Washington, a uh, great little town called Roslyn, Washington. I highly recommend you stop in and uh, buy some Northern Exposure memorabilia there. No, right on. And with that, you take the lead with one point. And now we're on to question number three, Robert Dukai. He's the tough-as-nails Sergeant Reed in all three movies. He also voiced what member of the Harlem Globetrotters in the 70s animated show? Was he the voice of A, Metal Lark Lemon, B, Rochester Anderson, C, Curly Neal, or D, Pablo Robertson? Farts and robot tarts. I'm just going to go with Metal Lark Lemon because I remember that name, so... Yeah, I believe if I remember correctly, though, his voice might be a little too high-pitched because that is incorrect. Bling, Blake, can you steal? You're going to have to give me my choices again. Oh, and absolutely. I'm, gonna, I'm totally going to be throwing a dart at the board based on the name. So, Yep. You've got Rochester Anderson, Curly Neal, or Pablo Robinson. Or I'm sorry, that is Pablo Robertson, not Robinson, Robertson. Not that it matters. I'm going to go with a Rochester sounds like the kind of voice that would be voiced by that gruff sergeant. I tried to lead you to water, sir, but you would not drink. It was, in fact, D. Pablo Robertson. So it's all good, though. You still hold a one-point lead, Bling Blake, as we now move on to question number four. Some of this movie's ideas were borrowed from an unused RoboCop 2 script, subtitled what? Was it RoboCop 2? The Corporate Wars, B, Prime Directives, C, Alpha Commando, or D, Lethal Force. I'm going to shoot. That's Bling Blake again. Prime Directives. That is incorrect. That was one of the TV shows. Ah, okay. I'm going to yeah. shoot you in the dick. Like all For the, the steel best robots. <laughs> uh, the Corporate Wars. Yes, it was a the corporate wars. Yeah, I was torn yeah. between those two. Good call, good call. Yeah. Alpha Commando, I think, was another. Might have been a comic or something. I'm not really sure. The only one I made up was D Lethal Force, for the record. But that does tie the score at one to one, guys. Okay, this is getting serious 
Here we are, the final question for all the marbles. The Canadian-produced follow-up TV show featured a reoccurring villain with what ridiculous-sounding nickname? Was it A, Happy Hoser, B, Pudface, C, Wet Willy, or D, Dick Nose? Your move, punk. Oh, Blaine Blake, going bold. C... Wet Willy? Wet Willy? Yeah, Wet Willy. Wet Willy. That is incorrect. T dubs. Can you steal for the win? Okay. Uh would you like your remaining answers? No, I I, I, I got this. I I feel it has it to be. It can't be dick nose. It has to be pud face. It is pud face. Yes. <laughs> and the worst part is I actually watched the first episode of this television series because it was fed to me right after Robuck Hot 3 on Tubi. And this villain, Pudface, is a playoff of uh, Emil, the, the character from the first movie that gets dumped uh, or covered in the toxic waste and melts and gets hit by the car and dies. Well, in the TV series, this guy basically had the same fate, but it didn't kill him. It just disfigured him. So they, they call him Pudface. Like like pudding face? Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't call him like, you know, uh, like putty face or something, or just putty. No, they called him pud face. Pud wow, face. but that's impressive, T-dubs. You've won the Loyal as a Puppy Trivia Challenge with a score of two to one. I'm impressed, sir. Enjoy your weird animatronic ninja head guy thing. And uh, thankfully, that does bring... The pod to an end it is now time for recommendations. And as always, I will go first because I am selfish. Yes, you are. And my recommendation this week is a new series on Netflix, Beef. It was uh, just released this last month, so I won't go into spoilers, but I will say it does start with a road rage incident that significantly impacts the two lead characters' lives. It stars Stephen Yun and Ali Wong, and it features a strong supporting cast. Uh, it gets a little silly towards the end of its 10 episodes, but it's a fun watch and pretty entertaining, and it does come in with a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, so check it out. All right, uh, gentlemen, I'll leave it up to you. Fight over. Who wants to go next on recommendations? I could go. I, uh, oh, I have two. Bring it. So I saw The Covenant at theaters, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which is about uh, a... Uh, U.S. Army sergeant who gets injured in action and is sent home and realizes that the Afghan interpreter who saved his life is not going to get the visa that was pro- the visa that was promised to him and his family, so he goes back to uh, help him out. It's a good movie and it it kind of sheds light on an important topic because we went into that quagmire for twenty years and we promised a lot of the people who risked their lives to help us in that situation that they would be given uh, U.S. citizenship and we kind of left them in the lurch and thousands of them are still in hiding and hundreds of them were executed by the Taliban. So yeah, the movie is a, a drama. Of course, it's not based on a true story. It's, it is inspired by real life events and it was really well done. A very accurate depiction of, of the war in Afghanistan. Um, it was, it was, he did a good job and it's not like your typical Guy Ritchie movie. So uh, I would see How that. How's that released? Uh, it's in theaters. It's, in, it's doing, uh, now. It's doing uh, very poorly, unfortunately. Huh, yeah, I, I've never heard of it. I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, because it, it looks it looks great. Uh, and that was one that that 
came across my radar. I have a, a neighbor down the street from me that is a uh, former army ranger. And uh, he spent a lot of time uh, in, in Afghanistan and he was dealing with this after the withdrawal uh, last summer, trying to get his interpreter and their family back out. And now granted, he didn't go all Jake Gyllenhaal and put on a helmet and go back to Afghanistan and start shooting people to, to, to bring him out. But like, I, you know, I was helping him with like letter writing campaigns and like trying to do what we could do politically and, and through influence uh, here to, to get his people back out. And it's, yeah. it's a really emotional topic for a lot of people. I mean, I, I think if, if my neighbor had the opportunity, he would he would have grabbed a rifle and gone back immediately. Right. Like that's just not a reality. So this this movie, I think, kind of kind of does what a lot of these guys wish they could actually do. Yeah, it's it's a really sad situation. But my second recommendation, way more fun, uh, is another threequel of a cop movie. You had Police Story 1, you had Police Story 2, and then you had Super Cop, starring Jackie Chan and Michelle Yeoh, and Super Cop is incredible. So uh, good. They just released it on 4K, and I bought that along with a bunch of other uh hd remastered jackie chan movies and man super cop still rules so if you haven't seen it check it out some great practical stunts before tom cruise was doing crazy shit jackie chan was the master of stunts love super cop no right on but what do you got for us blink blake my favorite thing from jackie chan movies are always the outtakes he's so good yeah they're amazing um all right i've got three for you today uh wow what a treat I know, right? Uh, well, here's the here's the the secret. They're all me. <laughs> My first one uh, was the Robert John Burke uh, recommendation, in that he plays Dennis Leary's cousin, a priest, in the FX show Rescue Me. I'm a, I loved Rescue Me. I love Dennis Leary. It's a show about a. New York City firefighter that is dealing with a lot of survival or survivor guilt after 9-11. Um, so it's more of like a soap opera, but it's a fun show and it's Dennis Leary comedy. And I always loved it. It was one of the first big FX shows. It seemed like it, right? Like right? it, it, when it that really was kind starting of, out as a network. That's one of their first big like critical oh, hits. That and the shield, and then the shield, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shield before that for sure. And Nip Tuck was also before that, but yeah, uh, Rescue Me was a good one, and it was it was it was dark and it was funny, and I really liked it. My next one uh, is because of Bradley Whitford. Uh, T Dubs would hate this television program, but I loved it. It was called Perfect Harmony. It was on very briefly, uh, where Bradley Whitford plays a widower uh, who goes to this small town and ends up becoming the church choir director, but he's like a like a world renowned uh, symphony director. This sounds like the worst pitch perfect reboot ever it's it's so bad uh it's a dumb sitcom but listeners you know how much i love bad sitcoms uh it did not make it very long i don't even know where you can watch it uh but if you can find perfect harmony only only on your private vhs (laughs) recording collection yeah it's on my dvr with ghosts and uh and a bunch of friends reruns uh and my third just very quickly um, is that Barry is back on HBO. 
Uh, I know we've recommended this on the pod before. I love Barry. I know we brought it up earlier. Uh, if you want to see Steven Root actually be a good actor, this is a great venue for it. Um, I think this final season of Barry is going to give us a lot. Bill Hader's fantastic. Uh, the Fonz, Henry Winkler is fantastic. And there's a bunch of other great actors, cool storylines, great characters. Uh, check out Barry on HBO. It's streaming right now. No, right on Bling. And I'm trying to find Perfect Harmony. Uh, I think he I'm, made it up in his head. It's not a real I, show. <laughs> it, no, it's showing up. I just don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It's on NBC. Oh, yeah, you might be out of luck, brother. I have to hang on to that DVR. Don't lose it. I know you can pay for it on Amazon. <laughs> I don't know okay. if you can, but that's about the best you might be able to get. Even Peacock won't show that show. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a that's a deep cut, but. Uh, Alrighty, well, I hate to say it, but that does bring us to the teaser for next week. And uh, yeah, we'll be traveling to a world of killer ants and duck boats for our second entry in our hops and franchise killer flop series. We'll be talking about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's going to be so good. It's going I've to be great. seen this movie one time. I am not looking forward to watching it again. Oh, well, come be- on. It's because you, You're hate, a hater. you hate everything, and that movie is fantastic, and I can't wait to talk about it. it oh, wow. Look, T-Dubs, it's by far the weakest entry in the Indiana Jones series, which we all know. It's not even close. It's it's like it's like below the cellar of that series. It's... But it's, wow. st- dude, Karen Allen comes back. It's still good. It's, uh, yeah, it's still great. It's Listen, if you get served three fillets and then, you know, you come back and they're like, oh, we got is the Wagyu beef burger. You're like, oh, I'll take that too. That sounds good. Sounds still delicious. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's a little lovely night out. potatoes with it. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. You're not giving it five stars on Yelp, but it's a solid three and a good tip to the server hell yeah mm-hmm. as always you can find this show on facebook twitter and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find me on twitter at chumpzilla8 captain cash when he's with us can be found at c-a-p-t-c-a-s-h on most of your social medias and the thunderous wizard can be found on twitter at writer tlk and don't forget bling blake does his twitters from at bling blake If you enjoy the pod, don't forget to leave us a review or drop us a line on the socials. And remember, listener, this podcast is programmed with a thermal fail-safe device. In 15 seconds, all of us will be consumed by an explosion of fireball, covering everything within 20 yards. You can count on it, chum.